0: we Back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Find us on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. iTunes five-star ratings. We want them. We need them. We have to have them. Brian, the Nets are back.
1: Wow. wow. The Nets
0: are back in the playoffs, buddy. Wow.
1: We're fired playoffs. Up. What kind of, This is like a real, this is like real daytime, like talk sports radio here. This is like, yeah, this isn't Winky Nikki and Dickie's backyard radio show. We're fired <laughs> up. Okay. Um, uh, I will, as we always do, we open up with a full
0: plate of honesty. Um, I think I am sick. I am trying to <laughs> chug espresso uh, drink, though. I don't really know if you can call it espresso um, to get energy, though. I also think that makes your disease worse. Um, but I'm doing all this for you, all um, of the glisteners out there, because they need a playoff level pod as we do our emergency playoff pod preview.
1: Brian. Brian, you hear that, everybody? Got a real martyr on our hands here.
0: You fired up, Brian?
1: I'm fired up. I'm fired up. This is the matchup that we won. People went back and forth. I've had I've had heated debates all week long about whether Toronto or Philadelphia is the optimal choice, and. On cue, perfect timing. Rumors about Joella and Bead's knee—you know that there's an operating table just, you know, weeks away on the off season, just waiting for him. Um, goes fits directly into my core argument, which is we would be relying on injuries in either case. <laughs> and uh, right, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> to
0: gain a victory, it's like you know the typical uh, playoff preview would be what needs to happen for the Nets to win, and what needs to happen is that one of the prime Seventy Sixers needs to be injured. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's fine. I'm not wishing injury. I'm just saying one of the people need to be injured. Um, So if you haven't really been following because there's been so much that's happened already within just this past since we potted. What was it? We potted on Sunday uh, celebrating the fact that the Nets were in the playoffs. Uh, Since then, uh, we had Dwayne Wade's final home game in Miami. We had Magic Johnson quitting on camera. We had Dwayne Wade's final game overall, which was. As I tweeted out, one of the more fun, non-consequential games I've seen, particularly at Barclays, just like celebrities everywhere, all the the banana boat friends all lined up, um, but also snuck within all of that and taking the highest level of importance. If you're a Nets fan, is the fact that Joel Embiid has possibly sort of some kind of knee injury and. It's kind of mysterious that even the seventy sixers coach Brett Brown doesn't like exactly understand what's happening, Bri.
1: Do you think Magic Johnson knew he was gonna quit before he started talking?
0: Yes. You think so? I think he did. Yeah. I think he well well 'cause I think I, he, like, I feel like there's like a fifty
1: fifty this. chance that he went into being like, I don't know, maybe I'll quit in this, in this conversation. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And he's like, Yeah, this is awful. I'm gonna quit.
0: To me, um so this is like Okay, so I tweeted out an angry thing because I'm going to defend D'Angelo Russell because during that hour-long Magic Johnson quitting press conference that he had, which wasn't really a press conference, it was a gaggle. That's what we call in the biz when all the microphones are there and you're everyone's standing around. It's a gaggle. Um, He still sort of like kicked D'Angelo's butt a little bit because he said, you know, they asked him about D'Angelo Russell. What do you what do you think about him now? You know, do you think that was a mistake trading him? And Magic Johnson said, Well, at the time he was on our team, he was immature and he matured, and that's why he turned out the way he did. And it's like, so I'm going to defend D'Angelo Russell, right? Like, I, and, and so this is coming from a man, again, top seven, top five player of all time in terms of um, impact overall in the NBA, in terms of outside the basketball court, too, top five for sure. But this is coming from a man. Who is quitting on camera as opposed to walking, you know, upstairs where he has to walk to go talk to Genie Bus. Apparently he had a meeting with Genie Bus the day before, a three-hour meeting, where he never said, obviously he never said, that he was going to quit. He had this meeting, large discussion. At no point did he say, I am I'm quitting. I am not going to lead this team into the future. Um But, Brian, I sort of defend exactly what <laughs> Magic Johnson did, man. I uh his what? reasoning his reasoning was that like he has a great life and oh, it's yeah, not that, that much fun to be a Lakers GM it's just no, not I, it, fun. Ma- it
1: makes no sense yeah <laughs> it's way more work than he wanted it to be and uh he's already worth lots of money um time spent elsewhere i do think like like that that like logical fallacy or it's just like a meme at this point now and i've seen this um brought up on all kinds of different platforms but that like D'Angelo Russell needed to be traded in order to like mature is like a pervasive logical fallacy that I like continue to see everywhere. It's it's really dumb. Um and it's just like it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, obviously he was like 19 or whatever when they drafted him. A person is allowed to be immature at that age and then like they grow older. Like it's it was sort of that's the kind of thing that's predestined to happen, you know, if just <laughs> he's just gonna wait that thing out. It's like I don't know, The the it's so the, the two don't have to be related that he got traded. It's like if you're waiting for, like, the subway to arrive or whatever, and then you, like, I don't know, bang your foot with a hammer, and then the, it shows up. And you're like, see, thank thank God I, like, banged my foot with a hammer. Otherwise, who would have known that that train was going to show up? Um, that Yeah, it's exactly right. And it's
0: – so I th- what I really think – I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that from the Lakers' perspective, D'Angelo Russell was immature as – you know he is justified to be. I mean, it's, it's actually unusual for what's happening in the NBA now where guys who come in at 19 are like perfect professionals and they have uh, a very clean social media profile and they set up these LLCs and these businesses and these media companies and immediately at the age of 19 are like these, not multi-billion dollar corporations, but multi-million dollar corporations in and of themselves off the basketball court where... We used to when we were growing up. It was very common that you, when you drafted a guy who was 19, 20 years old, you expected that person to not be a contributor for years and years. You expected that person to say dumb stuff or do dumb stuff.
1: Well, you just um, hit them. You just put them. You put them on the bench, and you say, if you ever talk to a reporter, you, you <laughs> only say, "I love being a part of this team." That's that's all you do. Yeah.
0: Um, I love, I love your point, though, that he had to be traded. Like, I, I do agree that a change of scenery can be good for people, for some people, but I don't agree, and and I fall in line with you, where it's like D'Angelo Russell had to be traded to, to reach this pinnacle, right? That he had to, he needed this sort of come to whoever moment, come to your Messiah moment, mm-hmm. to develop into the person that he is now and the player that he is now.
1: He's still, what is he, 23 years old? And it's, it's- like... I mean, like, how much more likely is it that just, like, the environment of the Lakers is sort of toxic for a 19-year-old and, like, that kind of contributes to them, you know, digging themselves into deeper, immature, more immature holes than not, you know? That, that seems to me like a more obvious sort of environmental thing, as, you know, as we've seen. There's There's been a bit of a, a circus over there lately, Mikey. Um, the environment that I am most excited to see oh, wow. is
0: Nets playoff yeah, environment. Johnson. Although it does relate <laughs> back to the
1: Nets in a in a particularly like Shannon Freuden way, which which I can get behind. But yes. Um playoff basketball, Mike. Let's get into it. Let's dig in deep. Um I do agree with you and we discussed this last pod. I feel better and better that the
0: Nets are playing the Sixers over the Raptors. Um I wanted the Nets I was getting kinda nervous when John and Musa was out there at the end of that heat game and like the Nets were possibly going to lose that heat game I don't know if that – I think that that would have impacted their seed. I think they if they would have lost, they probably would have been down to the seventh seed. I don't want to play the Raptors anymore. I didn't want to play the Raptors. I mean, I thought I had wanted to play the Raptors. Like, at one point, we did the playoff ranking thing, and I thought, you know, the Raptors, you know, if Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, then they become, like, a pretty average team. And then we played the Raptors in a close game, and I didn't – now I don't want them at all. And the Sixers, I'm warming more and more to the fact that, like, if there is a team that could be upset of the top three, it's the Sixers. It's like they are they are disjointed, and now we have this Joel Embiid thing. And just to go over it for everyone who, who isn't clued in to 76ers Twitter, uh, Elton Brand, so Embiid did not play the final game of the season, and Elton Brand said uh, there's a he has, like, a left knee injury. Elton Brand says it's possible Embiid won't play in game one, Brand says, I'm optimistic he'll be ready this weekend, but it is possible that Embiid won't play. And Brett Brown was asked about this Embiid injury because it seemed to have come out of nowhere. And Brett Brown says, I expect my starters to be available. If somebody tells me differently, then so be it. And then he cut off reporters and say, is saying essentially, I'm not going to answer any more Joel Embiid questions because he himself, Brett Brown, doesn't have enough information to really answer those questions. Mm. Brian, this is exactly what we needed heading into this yes. series. I can cheer an injury for a moment. This is what we needed. Well, just the, the, the general
1: series. riffraff that the injury, like there isn't a, any kind of certainty about it, which is like especially, you know, good. Um, creating a lot of, of you know, that kind of discontentment with, with management. And they're like, are they hiding something they're doing? The Nets meme where like, are they hiding this injury from us? Um, I was just looking through the... Sixers SB Nation blog and um, people are understandably triggered, you know, by the lack of information, you know, and it's in keeping with, I guess, what they've done with Embiid in the past when he's needed serious work on his body.
0: Well, and so this is from NBC Sports Philadelphia. I'm reading like more deeply into Joel Embiid and his injury history. I mean, we all know he's had like a a pretty significant injury history. Uh, Knee soreness this year caused him to miss eight games after the All-Star break. That same knee soreness has forced Embiid to miss 14 of the last 24 games to close out the regular season. So this isn't just um you know we see load management now as a reason why guys are missing games. Um this this was load management slash I think it was left knee soreness. So this left knee soreness if you're a 76ers fan, this player Joel Embiid had missed games previously so far very recently in the season because of knee soreness, he'd come back and now he's missing games again, a game again or, or the the injury popped up again. So this is like kind of legitimate. Now what's the, the the best chance from everything that we're reading is that like he's gonna be he's gonna be playing game one. but a little bit diminished Embiid, a little bit diminished does significantly impact the series because what's the biggest thing in that the 76ers have that the nuts don't have? it's like Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, I have this that he averaged like 30 points and 14 rebounds against the Nets this year. In the, in the four games that they played. They played four games. It was split 2 and 2. Bad fact is that two the two games that the 76ers won, it was the two games that Jimmy Butler actually played for the the 76ers in that series, but um Joel Embiid is the one thing, right? Like the one thing holding the Nets back from like Having a real shot at upsetting the Seventy ers would be Joel Embiid being at full strength and just dominating like he has against the Nets. Um, sorry, I'm just getting an email here from my from my office. Mm. Um, mm. What's your what's your what's your optimism level? Give me on a scale of episode one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, and eight of Star Wars. What's your what's your optimism level? <laughs>
1: Um I'm like episode four you know I have I'm like you're a new hope com- I'm completely wow. I'm blissfully unaware it's 1977 or whatever it is i have I have zero expectations <laughs> <laughs> i the, the the concept of this thing is so fresh and new to me that I'm just in a state of wonder you know it really um i'm I'm really just gonna enjoy. You know the the possibility that well I'm not going to enjoy the possibility because of a guy being hurt that's sad or whatever um, we always have to do that pretense like I don't want the guy to be hurt blah 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 but whatever yeah so, knee it's knee soreness right. okay um
0: this isn't like a Nurkic injury but, but that was even even with
1: sad. a completely unsore knee a a <laughs> maximally unsore knee I, <laughs> I still think we pull off like a game or two in <laughs> in fun ways um. And that's like, I'm. It's so funny to like go to other teams, like SB Nations or like their like Reddit's or whatever, and just see just how expectations like just like are can toxify a fan base so immediately. Like mm-hmm. they are so bummed out by everything that's going on. Like they haven't, I guess, played up to their standards going into the playoffs. And beats hurt. They're like, Oh, like we're not going to get out of the second round. Like this is awful. Like everything is trash. <laughs> I hate this stupid team. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, like it's they just survived the process.
0: The process was two seasons ago. It ended right.
1: two seasons ago. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Just how fast you can like turn on your heels and be like, we, I deserve something now. Um, <laughs> is amazing and uh like that's i'm i'm trying to also lay the groundwork for not being that way myself in the future it's impossible that's part of that comes with the you know the territory but um yeah it's just like i i'm on cloud nine i don't care like whatever happens if we like can pull out something fun like heck yeah it seems pretty unlikely um but just happy to be in the in the show you know
0: yeah and like so, like, there's – and you talk about reasonable expectations. It's, you know, you can't be mad. Even if the Nets get swept, Is does it really negatively impact the season? It does – to me, it, it, almost nothing could happen in the playoffs that would alter uh, my my enjoyment of the season, right? Like, this whole ride from being a team that – you know, I, I was listening back – I don't know why I was doing this. I listened back to our Damari Carroll interview we did to start the season. Wow. We did – we went to – If you hadn't listened to it, listen back to it. Go find it. Download (laughs) it again. Wow. Um, Go scroll back 50 episodes ago. We interviewed Damari before the season at his all-girls basketball camp on the Lower East Side, um, (laughs) which is just a funny phrase to say. And we asked him, or you asked him, I think, about playoffs, you know, is the playoffs reasonable or something? And he was like, I don't want to put that pressure on my team. But then he said – we're going to be greatly improved and i believe he was like we're gonna we are going to be greatly improved he didn't want to say playoffs but he
1: wanted Mm -hmm. he wanted to emphasize this team's gonna be way better he didn't have the wavos to say playoffs okay (laughs) shots fired
0: shots fired um so this this whole ride that we've been on has been phenomenal the fact that the team went through that losing streak and then it went through the winning streak and Karis Silverts injury, Karis Silverts rise, Karis Silverts injury, um, Spencer Dinwiddie's, you know, affirmation as a leading sixth man in the NBA, and then D'Angelo's, like, step-by-step progression from um, the the cherry in a trade dump, salary dump trade, cast away by Magic Johnson and the Lakers, brought over here to Brooklyn, with has the knee injury that first season, also had to have shared the ball with Jeremy Lin. We thought that didn't happen, but you know, so everything kind of gets jumbled for him. And then step by step, we slowly see him becoming the player that he ended up by being by the end of the season, which is a legitimate All Star and someone who probably will get a max salary if from the Nets, if not from someone else. And I will bring up, I, I let me bring this up now because I don't want to forget it. Um, Sean Marks was on Evan Roberts, Joe and Evans' show on WFAN on Monday, I think it was, and. Um, Evan, obviously, one of the famed media member Nets fans out there. And Evan was asking him, also friend of the pod, thank you. Um, Evan was asking him, you know, he was like shouting praise at Sean Marks. Sean, He said, Marks, I love you. You're the greatest. You know, like you, you, you've turned this team around completely, all this stuff. And so Evan was trying to butter him up. And by the end of the interview, Evan asked him, is signing D'Angelo Russell your number one priority? Mm-hmm. Marx would not say that. Marx wouldn't say that D'Angelo Russell is, resigning. D'Angelo Russell is a number one priority. He wouldn't even say, like, he wouldn't even affirm that the Nets necessarily wanted to resign D'Angelo Russell. He, his his statement was essentially like D'Angelo has has proven himself completely, um, but you know that that'll be a discussion for later or something. And it's like, what are we doing here, Brian? Are we are we really flirting with the possibility that the Nets aren't going to re-sign D'Angelo Russell?
1: Let's no, let's, I, let's. I really just p- think that that's the kind of thing that if you're an actual like smart professional, you just like there's nothing to really be gained <laughs> by by like laying that out in such a public forum. Not in a, an emotional head case like myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just a a like,
0: child of divorce who's always looking for affection. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or affirmation, either right. or.
1: Right. Uh, um, I think, like, <laughs> not, you know, laying out your intentions on public <laughs> <laughs> on, on radio is, is generally a good thing. Um, All right. That's a
0: fair take. That's yeah. a fair and recent take.
1: <laughs> um, but, but, you know, also they're not going to resign D'Angelo Russell and they're going to blow up the team and, and move it to Poughkeepsie. Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poughkeepsie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: could, If the Nets get swept, Ryan, will you be disappointed? No. <laughs> no, that's the best part. I'm so immune to like everything about this series. Like it's, um, it's obnoxious, you know, it's, it's truly obnoxious. Like all these, I am watching like, you know, Reddit or on, on like Reddit and, And, uh, whatever these explanation blogs and stuff, people going in, like, you know, trying to like raid each other's, like raid the nets, like comments thing. And it's just like, you can't, like, we're just completely like, you know, Zen Buddhists about being in the playoffs right now. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to stir up any fights here. (laughs) You know, we, we've just played way above our, our expectations and we're just happy to be here, you know? And, uh, mean, yeah. You can be even, all angry about it.
0: Yeah, even though the distance between the sixth seed and being out of the playoffs was what two games in the end mm-hmm. or whatever it was, um, it does feel nice to look at the bracket that the NBA puts out for the playoffs and you and seeing the Nets as the sixth seed. Yeah. you know, like that. That is. You know, if we had been the eighth, there's just a different sort of mindset. There we is. It's that. like a
1: marketing, like next level marketing thing. It's just like it's just higher. You know, it does. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just closer to the you know to the. It's massive. closer to the
0: four or five in yeah. the four or five that anything can happen in a four or five. So why can't anything happen in a three six? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is so lame. And I know that I shouldn't care about this, but the fact that all of the Nets games are on TNT or ESPN, that the Nets haven't been banished to the NBA TV. Yeah. um desert is another satisfying mark of account like we talked about the fact that the nets are in uh trade rumors and for these like jimmy butler and all the big names and that they're also sort of in the free agent rumors and people are writing about them you yeah. know it's it again child of divorce looking for yeah. affection or affirmation totally i mean i, I get need... it
1: and this is i've, I've noticed this too as i was looking at some people talking about how like after the Heat game, there wasn't like, you know, oh, like, the Nets are in the sixth seed, like, locked in, blah, 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 blah. And um, I think we need to, as the Nets grow into, like, a, you know, ostensibly are going to grow into, like, a kind of, like, you know, sustainable, probably pretty good franchise from here on. Like, looks like the, as, as Kevin Gurnett would say, the bones of it are pretty good. Um, I, I don't want, I want to make sure that we don't end up being, like, the Toronto Raptors fans, which is, like, they have a good team, and their fan base is, like, just immersed in their own butthurt and <laughs> and living it day in day out will like all of them reflexively blame refs and media for not you know giving them their credit their due and like you guys are good now you can stop you need to stop it you're, you're good now um but that's not going to happen because so, they've built that culture for for decades you know
0: so, what kind of fan base do you want the Nets to uh, to emerge out of out of these playoffs? Whatever happens, what kind of fan base
1: should the Nets be? I mean, the problem is like we don't really have any control over it, and it's going to be. We don't. Damn uh, it. I mean, we, we we can we can control like the rafters, but you know the lower bowl is going to be Jerry Seinfeld. You know that's that's <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that. Um yeah, just what that that like Dwayne Wade game last night. was so weird. It was I, you know, it's funny. I so I went it. to I WWE SmackDown on Tuesday night, and oh, nice. The, 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 which is a hilarious experience. I, one I will never do again, but a, a good <laughs> a good experience to have um, for a variety of reasons. It's like what's important. I think about the WWE in general, or like wrestling in general, is that it's sort of like a a magnifying lens of like late stage capitalism craziness, right? It's just such a (laughs) orgy of, of like, of stupid, like American culture that it's like, and for that reason, it just kind of like explodes it in a way that's important and like fun to watch and but also like they they i think they've shot the moon a little bit cuz like a big portion of watching a WWE live event is that they also pump commercials and promo reels and all that stuff into the megatron like well, like there's commercial breaks every 5 seconds and you are watching commercials and you can like <laughs> so the people that are there i'm watching them like they're like it's like you're watching tv you're like glued to the megatron
0: that's great um, so they yeah. they literally put the commercials in the dude they
1: have like wrestling action figure commercials like going during the thing you know and the kids are just there like so weird. super stoked on it um <laughs> and yeah and and they're like and it's such a perfect um like th- those people are not you know love them great people but not discerning about that kind of thing so they're like you know meanwhile i'm watching them watching the thing and just like wow like this is what it is like, this <laughs> this is what it's about but anyways the reason that i'm pr- talking about this is because the like f- The kayfabeness of of that Dwayne Wade goodbye game was like you know eerily similar to the like the fakeness of the wrestling event. It was like not a real game, and it was it was like it was watching like Ric Flair you know fight his (laughs) last fight. It's like he's gonna get his now Ric Flair. Yeah, today (laughs) like retirement Ric Flair
0: fight. (laughs) Well, like and there were there were eight plays that were embarrassing for Dwayne Wade. Like there was that that time at the rim where it looked like he got blocked by Rondé. I think it was Rondé. And no, he Jared Allen. He did him a rim. favor, yeah. A well, Jared favor. Allen blocked him like twice, and then Jared Allen elbow, peopled elbows him right into the ground at the end of the game. Um, but that's fun. So, like, I enjoyed it because it was so different from what we're normally watching in the NBA. Normally, what we're watching is pick and roll basketball, setting up a three point shot, and that's it. Or we're watching James Harden iso ball, yeah. which
1: is. I don't Here, really enjoy. Here's another parallel for you too. Having LeBron and Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul sitting and 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 jeering and doing what they're doing in the exact kind of way that like the NWO Wolf Pack would like align themselves around the ring <laughs> 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 and and like be like active participants, kind of, but not really. They're like sort of promoters or just on the side. It's yeah, there's a yeah, real but like, then
0: Carmelo does get in the ring for a hot <laughs> yeah, second. Exactly. The guy furthest from basketball. And it's and it's so funny because it's it is generally nice as a friend that they all flew out there. Uh Chris Paul still playing basketball, LeBron not playing basketball, and Carmelo hasn't played basketball for months now. But all that they all came out and they went to this game and they saw their friend play his final game uh in uniform in that way. And but, like, also in my head, I just keep thinking about, like, what is Mello thinking? Because he's never going to have this. Like, he's never going to yeah. have the goodbye. Like, Because I'm not saying Dwayne Wade matters more in the history of the NBA than Carmelo Anthony. on For sure. Right? But, like, and Carmelo doesn't deserve a retirement tour, but he deserves something. And he has had, he has one of the weirdest non-injury end of careers ever he just people just decided you aren't worth it like you aren't so he's sitting here watching you know watching his friend sitting next to two of the best players still in the nba and he's like but he's like the most um he's just like a part of the moment but yeah. he's like the, the casualty of this banana boat friendship he's the last he's the guy who's the the loser of the group unfortunately yeah that, that was his deal
1: um, that's what happens I when you go to the next, you know? <clears throat> you just become a perennial loser. I loved seeing Wade
0: take horrible shots and yeah. continually put up P check shots.
1: <laughs> for, not, for the first not, five minutes of the game, I was like, uh oh, is this gonna be competitive? And then yeah, yeah, very I know, quickly right? realized it was not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was like another scenario we, we would we could have been uh, scheming for um like a couple weeks back there was a scenario where, like, this is Wade's final game. The Heat are still in playoff contention. There's Correct. going to be so much emotion into that game. The Nets, maybe if that was the case, would not have locked up that final spot. This was like a scary game on the schedule and ended up being the complete opposite yeah. because they let Dwayne Wade take, what, 30 shots? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, now, And I enjoyed this more than – well, I enjoyed Kobe's final game, though. It was like that was more disgusting. You remember Kobe's final game where he took like fifty shots, basically. Yeah, and b- because I I I like Wade more, I accepted that bad behavior. I mean, that's that is bad behavior to take that many shots, but with Kobe, it was like it was just he he had been burning his goodwill for so long by the end of that season, <laughs>
1: yeah. and and it culminated in like the least goodwill. It's such a, it's such an amazing thing, like. You you play this game for twenty years or whatever, and like, presumably you like build a real respect for the craft and like the you know the patience of it. And then on my last night out, I'm just gonna take a dump, all, <laughs> all a big smelly dump on it, and sign my name on it, and that's that's how I'm gonna go out. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an amazing thought. Like I, I'm reminded of when <clears throat> when Mike Tyson retired, it was after he lost to um, like this giant like sad sack of an Irishman. And uh after like in the like post like post fight interview when they're sticking a the microphone in the guy's face, he was like, This is this was bad. Like I, I, I need to retire, like I shouldn't this is I'm like disrespecting the sport, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike Tyson came to the realization in a more um like thoughtful and like well felt way than, than either of these two guys. Um so the Nets are back in the playoffs, Brian. Very exciting um it's huge should we get out of here i mean we we don't want to like you know I you got to get to the office yeah we no. Let's, let's do one let's do one more quick thing here okay.
0: um give me a legitimate legitimate expectation
1: for the nets legitimate <sighs> not you know yeah okay not- legitimate is sixers in six okay nope. you want you want me to, to do that thing where it's where it's lame yeah you got it good good What are, what are you gonna say
0: Nets in five, Brian. No, Stop. um,
1: no. It's okay.
0: So, <laughs> do I want to make a prediction? I don't want to make a prediction, even though I just made you what? do it. <laughs> what, is, what? Dude, is this don't be so gullible, man. Don't me. be such a. Don't be such a pawn in my Good game. Lord, I'm playing I've never chess been hustled over here, bro. that hard my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I've been setting that up our entire run of our oh podcast for that God. moment. Um, I. Will go if Joel Embiid is hurt, the Nets will win in oh. seven.
1: Oh, you get to do all these qualifiers <laughs> and stuff. Get out of here. Um,
0: I'll just do a couple of quick things about that. What could go right for the Nets? Even though I made fun of that process earlier in the pod, what could go right for the Nets? I would make it a possibility that Nets would win the series. Um, if Spencer Dinwiddie and caris Avert. Carousel Silvert is playing at the right level of basketball that he needs to play at to make it so that the Nets are more competitive than we believe that they may be. Spencer Dinwiddie needs to rise back up to the level that he was at earlier in the season. Uh, Dinwiddie averaged 24 points per game against the Sixers so far this year's season in the four games that they played so far. He shot 58% from the field. He had 39 points in Brooklyn's win against the 76ers. Um, His season best was 39 points against the 76ers. There is a scenario where I can see we all know the bench doesn't matter as much in the playoffs, blah, dee, blah, blah. But I do see a scenario where guard play, massive guard play by the Nets makes it much more interesting than we believe. Because everyone is concerned about um, Joel Embiid in terms of how how much he's going to dominate the Nets. And I, and I accept that and I am in fear of it and I am, you know, we all are hoping that maybe he's... Misses one game. Give us one game. You, you want you just, want
1: a you want a deep take? I just did a stats thing. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So here's the here's the weakness, of which and and you know what? To to your point, I'm going to reprise my estimation. I'm going to say all no qualifiers, nothing aside. Like, well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do what you just did, but I'm going to say six years <laughs> and seven. It's going to go to a game seven. And well, here's, look, here's you're already
0: coming off your position. What a what well, a here's the statistic to up.
1: monitor very closely.
0: Okay. Right? Okay, so
1: 76ers, not a bad defensive team. Seven overall in defensive rating. Um, but they rank 24th in opponents' points in the paint where the Nets are the drivingest team in the NBA. That's the weakness to exploit here. Don't let, don't let Brett Brown know. Don't let them know. Um, so that's a, the, the, the 76ers' biggest
0: weakness on defense is guarding guards. Guarding guards. Ben Simmons was previously thought of it as one of the better defenders in the league last year. This season he is not thought of as highly. Uh Jimmy Butler's gonna be on D'Angelo Russell, I think, quite a bit because that's what you're gonna have to do in the playoffs if you're the 76ers. They don't really have, you know, that the guard the Patrick Beverly type that can guard D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. Karis LeVert's a little easier for them to handle because Lavert is still more of a wing than he is a true point guard number
1: one. So they, they rank 24th in opponents' points of the pace. Did I say that 24th out of 30 teams? Very bad. So,
0: so the recipe, Brian, if you are if you are making your Thai chili soup, okay, the coconut milk for success for the for the Nets is continually attacking, <laughs> pick and roll attacking. Jared Allen will not be rolling as much to the rim because you don't want Joel Embiid following behind the play to make a block. You want Embiid to be out of the way so that then. The, the decision that the 76ers have to make is either, either leaving a guy open in the three in the corner or DeAngelo Russell or Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert scoring somewhere around the rim. Lee, Jared Allen, you're not rolling. You're going to be floating, unfortunately. Um, the Nets may have to go real small because it, cause that will be the interesting lineup if they can do it. Is Can they go small enough? Because they're already going to get murdered on the boards. The the 76ers' height advantage is just massive. So can you, as Kenny Atkinson and the staff, go small enough? And I'm talking like Damari Carroll running five here. I'm talking that small. Can you go that small that really disrupts Joel Embiid. Well, they did and that really...
1: with, with Rondé pretty su- – I mean, like, sort of successfully in a game that got away from him. But, like, right. there was a, a minute there where, like, that was working because Rondé was – well, he was especially – he was playing against Boban, and they just didn't, like, didn't sub Boban out. It's getting run out of the gym. So that
0: – that's the – because, like, you're, you're already going to lose the rebounding battle and the size underneath battle. It's just going to happen. Jared Allen – I love him like a, like my third son. I don't have a second son yet, but I love Jared Allen like my third son. Um, and but he is not the floating around the three point line big man that you want. He can make a couple
1: of nice passes. He cannot shoot threes. he is, it, I mean we are one three point shooting Jared Allen away from making this like a real a, a a super serious series, you know and
0: it really stinks, and this is sort of like news that snuck under the the radar a little bit, but Alan Crabb's injury. His surgery really not blaming anyone, not blaming anyone, Brian, but it really stinks because it 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 really zaps the bench units of a three-point shooter. Even though I, no one everyone knows my position on Alan Crabb is ability. You know, I was on the Joe Harris's better train years ago. Um, undeniable now. But him on him with the bench units and him also being in lineups with D'Angelo Joe Harris, Alan Crabb, you know, Dinwiddie and then Damari Carroll. You could have three three-point shoot or five three-point shooters all on the floor, super small team, you know, going after it. Now, so that, my recipe for success is D'Angelo, Dinwiddie, and Lavert really creating havoc for the bigger, not as quick defenders on the 76ers. And the hope is you can draw and beat out more and more from the paint. You make him more of a three-point shooter. You do everything you can to make him not the dominant force that he is going to be in the middle. And you hope that there's still enough uncomfortableness amongst that 76ers roster. There's still the inclusion of Tobias Harris-Late, the inclusion of Jimmy Butler earlier in the season and him having to figure out what his role is going to be. You just hope all of that mixes in, plus Brett Brown not
1: being that great of a coach. And that's the recipe here's my last thing about this. Okay. Yes. When the 76ers come to Barclays center, and this is an appeal to all of you people out there who have, you know, 50 bucks in your pocket. They're just, you don't know what to do with it. Go buy a playoff ticket in any, in any place and go be there. Because if Barclays center is full with lumpy Sixers fans with their smooth (laughs) brains, I'm going to lose it. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to lose it. I don't want them. Um,
0: That is a concern. Yeah. Um, That is a concern, though I will. I do say I think, even if it's like thirty percent Sixers fans in Barclays, which would be terrible, everyone understands that, it would trigger enough of the Nets fans to be, to be heightened, right? Mm-hmm. Like I actually think a triggered seventy percent Nets fan base in Barclays is a better environment than a ninety percent Nets fan base against a ten percent opposing team.
1: I hate to tell you, dude, seventy percent is optimistic.
0: I know. I'm trying to be this is our playoff preview pod. I'm trying to be optimistic, yeah.
1: Brian. Well, I also you know, I don't want to do the thing where like you know, we're like, you know, Hillary's one or whatever and you know, and then and then <laughs> you know, we're you know, so like I get to give them a dark forecast of what's possible, you know. You could have a sixty percent, you know cheesesteak slobbering, you know, monster on <laughs> monster audience on your hand. Drinking right? less you show up. And eating eating italian ice yeah is that what they say smearing italian ices on their faces doing whatever <laughs> you know playing with their belly buttons what philly fans do disgusting people so um, um so you gotta be there <clears throat> game one
0: will matter significantly okay they call it water I,
1: ice they call italian wo- ice, water ice water
0: ice water ice uh game one <laughs> matters significantly i i do like because, I, well, I don't know, when was the last 76ers-Nets game? It was probably, a, I don't know, eh, who cares. But it, it it becomes like, we need to see the energy that the Nets team may have in the playoffs. It, because everyone talks about how you raise your level of play when you get into the playoffs. There's a, just a different level of play. The Nets have pretty much been riding high all season. They have a lot of young guys on their team that haven't been to the playoffs. Can they? Can all of these young players... Learn from Ed Davis and Damari Carroll and say, like, understand that what's going to be happening in the playoffs is going to be different from what they just experienced in the regular season. Does D'Angelo Russell have another step to go in this season? Does he rise up even more? Does he become, you know, yeah.
1: they've, two they've ticks off Kyrie? Every Irving. expectation thus far. Why why start to doubt them now? Heck, Nets in seven. I'm calling it. Second <laughs> reprise.
0: <laughs> um, we will be with you every step of the way. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening over all of these years. And now we are here in wow. the promised land, the first round of the playoffs.
1: It happened. Um, all right, Mike, let's get out of here.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. iTunes, five-star ratings. We need them. We want them. We have to have them. At BKGloes on Twitter, netsealian.com. Brian, the Nets My- are back.
1: They're back. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah.